Good morning, Springhouse. Some of you may be thinking, didn't you retire? <laughs> you know, when Pastor Kevin uh, sends out the schedule for the sermons, he usually has about six months uh, out. And <clears throat> when he sent out the one that covered this Sunday, several months ago, uh, it said that the topic's going to be read the word and then the, uh, the speaker he had a question mark. I'm like, hmm, wonder who that question mark is. Uh, well, Thursday night I found out who the question mark is. Uh, it, it was me. And actually, that, that, uh, I guess that means a couple of things. I, one of the things it probably means is I may not have been the first choice. Uh, <laughs> or the second. I mean, you know, it, it, that's, that's okay. Uh, because another thing that it means is God wanted me <clears throat> to do this today. And he wanted you here today. It's why you're not out driving somewhere or traveling from somewhere or somewhere else. So maybe he's got... Maybe he's got something to say to us. And, and you know, when I say I, I heard on Thursday, I mean, I have taught on this in all honesty before. Uh, those of you who've been here for a long time know that I have. And uh, Michelle asked me, he said, well, you know, you probably had some stuff to draw on. And uh, yeah, but I don't do it that way. Uh, I don't feel like that's the way you're supposed to do it. I, I, think, you, I think you need fresh manna. Uh, to bring. And so hopefully we're going to have some of that today. Would you stand with me and let's read from the book of Psalms. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all these wonderful things about it. And I pray for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to move in every person's heart, every person's life that's here today, including mine. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I know that originally what had been planned was there were going to be several speakers because I found this out Thursday night, uh, there, there were going to be several speakers who were going to come and speak about what impact reading the Word had had on their lives. And, you know, one by one, they weren't able to come. And so what impact uh, reading the Word has had on my life? If you've been here for a number of years, then you already know this. But I, I realize that quite a few of you have come more recently, and so I'll go back over this again. Um, Back in 1975, that's when I really turned my life over to the Lord after a, a, a prodigal period in my life. I went down to visit a friend of mine who was a youth pastor in Chattanooga. His name is David Busby. 
And, uh, and, and David was a really good teacher. And I happened to go to youth group with him. And he was teaching. And he taught about reading the Word. And it was really good. And at the end of it, this is a Baptist church. At the end of it, he did a very typically Baptist thing. He handed out commitment cards. And what we were supposed to do was put down... Uh, a certain amount of time each day we were going to commit to read the Word, or a certain number of chapters each day we were going to commit to do in reading the Word. And, you know, I'd just recently come back to the Lord, and I had this fervor and this fire, and everything was going on in me, and I guess it was the Holy Ghost, but I put down 15 chapters a day, and I signed that sucker. And, you know, when you write it down and you sign it, uh, and the thing is, it didn't have like a time limit on it. You know, it wasn't like this is what I'm going to do for the next month. Um, and so actually that's what I did for the next 10 years uh, was, was 15 chapters a day. And, you know, I don't tell you that because I'm trying to encourage you to read 15 chapters a day. or because I mean, my friend Phil Nelson read 35 chapters a day. Okay, big deal. But the, the Lord was preparing me. I mean, it's not that kind of contest. The, the Lord was preparing me for a, a life that I couldn't imagine. He, he was preparing me for something that he, was, that he was calling me to. But more important than the number of chapters... Uh, was the daily reading of the word. I mean, after the, I mean, I, for the last 45 years, I guess it's 46 now, for the last 46, almost 47 years, I've read the Bible every day. Every day. And I've discovered that his word is true. I've discovered that his promises are sure. I've discovered that what the word says about the word is true. It, it actually is what it says it is, just as the living word is who he said he was, it's who he says he is. And this is now the 34th year that I've encouraged this church to read the word every day. Now, I haven't always been the one that was up here every year because after a while I figured they maybe need to hear another voice uh, you, you know, you hear the same voice over and over and over, and you don't hear it anymore. But so, uh, but either I would bring uh, such a message, or I would have someone else come up and go, "This is what you're going to talk about." Reading the Word for 34 years, uh, there was a guy who uh, who used to attend the church here, and I guess it was about 15, 16 years ago that. Uh, that he stopped attending, and one of the reasons that he stopped attending, he said, "I just get so tired of hearing the same sermon." At the end of the year, every year, I was kind of going, really? And he's not walking with the Lord anymore. It wasn't that he just left the church. He's not walking with the Lord anymore. The word, the word is very important. The spiritual poverty of the Western world is directly connected to the indifference that believers have for the Word of God. Indifference. We, we invest our time in movies. We invest our time in the stock market. We invest our time in the news. We invest our time in sports. We even invest our time in et cetera. But not in reading the Word. 
we, we read the latest Christian bestseller, and we think we've read the word. <laughs> uh, not aware that, no, that's, uh, nothing could really be, I, I say nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, you know, sometimes when something's close to the truth, it's far more dangerous than when it's far away from the truth. You know, when it's far away from the truth, we're on our guard. But when it's close to the truth or it's packaged as a truth or something, then we have a tendency to, oh, okay, this is going to be okay. And we just take it in. But the Bible tells us over in Second Peter, it says this, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you get it? Do you see what it says yeah, let me let me let me uh, highlight some things. This is what Kevin does. He he makes them yellow. If he if you really want you to see them, there will be false teachers among you. There will be. It's not a matter of well, you know. I'm glad we're finally rid of all the false teachers. No, there will be. Well, it's not the ones that I read. How do you know that? If they're your substitute for reading the Word of God, how do you know that? And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. They don't, you know, there's not a, it's not like, hey, destructive heresy coming now. No, they secretly introduce it. And many will follow. Well, I'm not, I'm not one of the many. <laughs> if you read the word daily, you probably aren't. If you don't, I would say your chances of being among the many just went from like 10% to 90%. No, nobody ever thinks they're one of the many. And yet, these teachers will ex exploit you with stories that they fabricated. So why don't people read the word uh, aside from lack of interest? Well, I, I think... This is the one that I kind of want to focus on today. I think that they don't read the Word because of this. I, I don't understand the Bible when I read it. Psalm 19, <clears throat> 7 says, The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The Bible, the important stuff in the Bible, you go, well, you know, what you're saying is not all important. Some of it's more important than, than some others of it, okay? I don't, don't know if you realize that. The important stuff in the Bible could not be any more simple. Really couldn't be any more simple. God parted the Red Sea, okay? What's so hard to understand about that? You may have a hard time believing it, but understanding it, he parted the Red Sea, and Israel walked through on dry ground, and then Pharaoh tried to follow, and they were, they were covered over and, and drowned. That's, I understand, you know, if, I, if, if I'm in the middle of walls of water and they come down on me, I'm probably going to drown. I mean, what's hard to understand about that? D David killed a giant, okay? That's not hard to understand. Esther was raised up for such a time as this. That's important. It's not hard to understand. And even to apply to our lives and go, you know, I might, have been, I might have been brought to a place for such a time as this. Maybe why I'm here. 
God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. That's not hard. The three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. Jesus came and died for us and was raised from the dead. And whoever believes on him will have eternal life. That's not hard to understand. That's, that's very simple. So what if you don't understand the prophecies? Nobody does. <laughs> and if they tell you that they do, then they're either ignorant or they're a fool. Because they don't. I, I mean, go back into the Old Testament and look at the prophecies that the New Testament said applied to the Christ and picture yourself knowing nothing about Jesus and figuring that out. The, uh, there's confusion, and I, I appreciated uh, what April had to say because I, I, I turned to Michelle and said, I think she's preaching part of my sermon here. Uh, there's, there's confusion uh, between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, knowledge is knowing stuff. Okay? Wisdom is knowing what to do. Uh, knowing stuff can be good, but it can also be dangerous. You ever heard the term, he knows just enough to be dangerous? She knows just enough to be dangerous? You ever, you ever worked on anything electrical? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's especially true if we're simply reading the word for knowledge. And oftentimes, that's what we're doing, is we're reading it for knowledge. We're reading it... I have to understand this. Well, you know, he is God, and his ways are a little bit higher than ours. I think the Bible tells us that. And so there might be some stuff we aren't going to understand. Eugene Peterson, the guy who uh, wrote the message translation, says this. He says, Un unrelieved intellectual work, especially theological intellectual work, can shrivel your soul. Now, if anybody should know that, he should know that. I mean, this guy, this guy is well-trained, well-educated. And listen, I, I appreciate that. I, 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 don't, I don't speak or read uh, Greek or Hebrew, you know, and there are people who kind of go, <gasps> and you think you're a pastor. Well, yeah, actually I do. Uh, and I appreciate those who do that. They have a calling to do that. I feel like they have a specific calling uh, to be able to do that. And, but they have to find balance because if they don't, then their souls end up shriveled. Some, some of the most persuasive, I guess would be the right word, some of the most persuasive uh, enemies of the faith are those who fell into this trap. Does anybody have any trouble in understanding what that phrase shriveled soul is? I mean, I, I, I think I know what it, I can't explain it to you, but I, I think I know what it is, and I suspect you do too. You go, well, that's just Eugene Peterson. He's not the Bible. Well, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Am I saying we shouldn't study the Word, we shouldn't read books? No, I'm saying we shouldn't simply study the word to gain knowledge. 
And Ecclesiastes, by the way, was written by a man named Solomon who was purported to be the wisest man on the face of the earth at his time. Maybe not the most knowledgeable, but the wisest. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. That's an important verse. We need a basic knowledge. We need to know. Well, what we really need to know is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth and died as a sacrifice for my sins on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And the reason he did that's because God loves us. I mean, there are some things that we need to know. We need some basic knowledge. But beyond that, knowing God isn't so much about knowing stuff as it is walking in humility with him. He has shown you, O oh man, what you should do. And what does the Lord require of you? To love justice and to act mercifully and to walk humbly with your God. And sometimes the more we know, the harder it is to walk humble. When Christ came and walked among us, those who refused to acknowledge him were those who had so much knowledge they knew he couldn't be Messiah. This man breaks the Sabbath. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't follow the law of Moses, according to our interpretation of the law of Moses. He eats and associates with sinners, so we know he can't be the Messiah. We know where this man comes from. When Messiah comes, nobody will know where he came. We know where this man comes from. No, they didn't. But anyway, look into it and see. No prophet comes from Galilee. Well, I don't know where that came from. I mean, they said it over in John, but I don't know where in the Bible it says no prophet comes from Galilee. If we read the Bible simply for knowledge, then we may well become discouraged and, 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 and say, I, I just, I don't understand. But if we will simply be simple, because I said so, if we'll simply be simple, we'll find that there may be, though there may be a lot that we don't understand, we'll find wisdom. How many of you have seen Forrest Gump? Okay, the rest of you get with it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really good movie. It's worth seeing. And one of my favorite moments in it is when Forrest asked Jenny to marry him. You remember that scene? And, you know, and, he's, and he says, I'll make you a good husband. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying that because I figured that some of you ladies are kind of going, man, where was my Forrest? But anyway, uh, guys, you can be. But, but then he says something that just, woo. He says this. Push the button, Ronnie. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. You don't have to be smart to know what love is. There are plenty of smart intelligent, bright, knowledgeable people who don't have a clue about what love is or a clue about how to love God and, and to love each other. And therefore, they don't know God because God is love. 
John says, beloved, let us love one another. Everyone who loves knows God and has been born of God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. If you were on a safari, well, I I was on a safari. Uh, We weren't killing things. We were just looking at them. And and we were in Kenya, and uh, we were in this little Jeep. And you might think, well, uh, uh, you know, a Jeep, that's, yeah, yeah, I see what an animal can do to a Jeep. Well, apparently a rhino can knock it over without much thought. And I think, you know, it's an open air thing. I think lions love convertibles. <laughs> they're, they're, not a, they're not intimidated by those things at all. And man, we would get up, you know, we'd get up pretty close, you know, here to the front row, you know, from the, from the rhino. And, uh, and, and this guy, this guy took us to see some lions, a lion who actually had some cubs and we drove up to where its cubs were, you know, and he, would you rather have somebody doing this who could tell you all about the biology and the history and the, and, uh, and everything of these animals, or somebody who knew how to keep you from getting killed. <laughs> I would want somebody with some wisdom. That's what I would want. If it really, what, what, do I, what do I do if I don't understand a passage? Well, if it really bothers you, and you just can't let go, go and ask someone that you trust, and maybe they'll know the answer. They may not. Now, if they know the answer every time, let me give you a clue. Don't go ask them anything. <laughs> but they may know the answer. I remember this must have been late 75 or early 76. I, uh, I came across a passage that really troubled me. It's over in Acts chapter 7. Because in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is giving his defense uh, and he goes through the history of Israel. Uh, in Genesis, it says that Jacob went down to Egypt with 70 people. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen says Jacob went down to Egypt with 75 people. I'm going, that sounds like a contradiction. And, uh, and I was going, this is bothering. So I went to Phil, my, my, my friend, uh, who reads 35 chapters a day. Uh, He was the youth pastor at the church, and I went to him and I said, you know, help me with this. I'm having problems with this because this is clearly a contradiction. Genesis says 70. This says 75. What? What? And Phil laughed because that's what he had a tendency to do. And he said, you know, I think that the Bible says that Stephen said that they went, that Jacob went down to Egypt with 75 people because Stephen said Jacob went down to Egypt with 75 people. I went, oh, okay, that kind of helps. Now, later on, I came to discover that a couple of hundred years before Christ came, there was a translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. It's called the Septuagint, and that's what the early church used. And the Septuagint, because translation is not an exact science, and also because not every manuscript matched, the Septuagint said he went down with 75 people. So that's why, that's why 
Stephen said that. But, you know, sometimes we'll look at that kind of thing. Oh, man, there's contradictions in the Bible. And, man, you just can't trust it. Yes, you can trust it. What does it matter if he went with 70 people or 75 people? I mean, really, is that going to keep you out of heaven? Is it going to keep you from going to hell because you knew how many people Jacob went down to Egypt with? No, but we get hung up on that stuff. We don't make the main thing the main thing. And here's a radical concept, you see. You could go and ask someone, and maybe they'll know the answer, or you could just move on and keep reading. I promise you there are things in the Bible you will not understand. I've been reading it daily for 45, 46 years. I can't even come up with these numbers, and I'm a real good math guy. I, I, I can't, I, I've been reading it for a long time, and there are things I don't understand. But that's okay, because I've gotten wise enough to go, all right, you know, God may be a little bit higher than me, and some of the stuff that he, that he has in his work may be stuff that I'm not going to figure out. I mean... I'm, this last weekend, I put together a, uh, um, a stand for a table saw. And when I say this last weekend, I, uh, I mean Friday and Saturday. It does not usually take me two days to put together a stand, you know, a, a, for a piece of furniture or something like that. But while the engineering on this stand was excellent, that was an A, the... Um, instruction booklet was a D or a D minus. And there were actually a couple of times that I had to take apart what I had done and flip it all over and put it back together again. And I got to where I, I thought I had it finished and I set the, I, I, I set the, um, the table saw up. And I may not be a smart man, but I know that a table saw's table's not supposed to set at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> and so I finally went back and took some more stuff apart and put it back together. And, you know, and it finally worked. But you know what? I kept at it. I kept doing it. Because it was important to me to get that right. Is it important to you? To keep at the Bible? To keep at the Word when you come across something that you don't understand? Is it just supposed to be, well, that's, yeah, I, I don't understand it. No. No, we, we, we keep going. You, and, and, and let me say one other thing. You do have access to the Holy Spirit. And he, he wrote this book. I, I don't ever sit down to read the Bible uh, to do my devotionals or to do study without inviting the Holy Spirit to come and walk with me through this. Help, help me to understand. Help, help me to understand what it's saying to me. Help, me. help me to keep it in my heart. And, you know, maybe I won't understand it this time, but the next time around, you may receive more light. Now, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. The next time around, yes. You don't, how many of you know you don't ever finish reading the Bible? 
A lot of times people think, well, I've read from Genesis to Revelations, done that. Uh, No. I mean, you've done something, and and I think it's important to do that. But you don't ever finish. You you, you shouldn't ever finish. I mean, there are things this week that I read that, you know, hit me and changed me. Because that's what reading the word is supposed to do to you. It's supposed to make you wise. How do I know that reading the word will make me wise? Well, the simple answer is because he said so. And this, is, this isn't just religious wisdom. It's not just, oh, now I'll, I'll know how to do my religion better. No, this is wisdom about all of life. It's, relig- it's, it's wisdom about your relationships and how, how you deal with other people. It's, re- it's wisdom about your family, about your work, about your, about your money, about everything in your life. It's wisdom, making wise the simple. Uh, do you want some of that? Do you want some of this? The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. <clears throat> I prefer Instagram to Facebook uh, because people on Instagram are less inclined to express their idiot political ideas and they are less phony than they are on Facebook. I'm not only retired, I'm old. I just say whatever I really think. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that I've noticed is uh, the more people open up and share and really express what's going on in their lives, which they tend to do on Instagram, uh, there seems to be more and more about depression and and struggles and, and mental issues. I mean, that's the real pandemic in our culture. You know, I, I mean, COVID is, is one thing, but depression and, and, and mental issues and struggling with relationships and things, that's the real pandemic. And I, I think that is good. I'm not against therapy. I mean, therapy is often needed. It just someone you can talk to without being afraid that they're going to go and talk to somebody else uh, is often the big plus in that. And there can even be a place for meds sometime. I mean, I think they're overprescribed, but there, there can even be a time and a place where that's needed. But you don't have to be in therapy or you don't have to be on meds and you don't necessarily have to feel depressed to just need some soul refreshing. To just, just have your soul refreshed. A lot of times we, we, we use that phrase, uh, tired to the bone. But really what we mean is tired to the soul. And we're, we're so busy and we're so involved that we get tired to the soul in this culture. The Word of God will refresh your soul daily, refreshing. How about this? The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Anybody needs some joy? 
you know, just as we have confusion between knowledge and wisdom, there's often confusion between happiness and joy. Uh, happiness depends on what happens. We know that, right? Joy uh, is a deep and enduring thing unless we try to examine it. Once you try to figure out why you're feeling joyful, it goes away. But uh, if, if you just experience it, 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 it it's deep. So would you like some joy in 2022? I mean, I, I don't know what kind of resolutions some of you made, and most of you who didn't make any resolutions probably didn't because you figured, what's the use? I've done that before, been there, done that. But how about making this resolution? I like, I'd like more joy in 2022. I'd like, I like more love. I'd like more peace. Let's just, let's just go with joy right now. Well, here, here's, a, here's a curveball from you, from me, and then we'll get back to the word. Like more joy in 2022? Stop watching the news. Just stop. Just turn it off. Just don't watch it. Don't watch it. I, I, I don't know the last time I watched a news program. It's been years, and I've been much, 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 much happier for it. The news doesn't, you say, well, how am I going to find out what's, what's really going on? The news doesn't tell you what's really going on. It, it, it tells you maybe something that happened. I mean, it can tell you some stuff that happened. And if you want to know what's really going on and have joy, read the word every day. Because it'll tell you what's really going on. It, it, it'll tell you what's, what's really happening. The word gives joy to the heart. It, it really does. What's going on may be bad, but there's a comfort and even a joy in knowing that none of this takes God by surprise. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, okay? But, but take heart. Be of, in fact, he says, be of good cheer. Maybe have a little joy because I have overcome the world. He told his disciples, on the night that he was betrayed, and, and the worship team can come out if you guys are out here. On the night that he was betrayed, he, he told his disciples, I mean, what, what worse situation could you be in? Uh, let's just assume now, you know, you're not Christ, but you're one of these guys. And you've left everything to follow him. And you've got such high hopes. He's the Messiah. You are the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And all these people celebrated your entry into town. And wow, great things are getting ready to happen. And Jesus knows, well, actually, no, uh, within the next 24 hours, all hell's going to break loose and I'm going to be laying in a tomb. And so what is he? And he tells them about this. He tells them, okay, this is, this is, what's, this is what's getting ready to come down. And he says this, I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. I am who I am. That's the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. This isn't necessarily about knowing prophecy. I mean, but as you, as the world has all this turmoil and all this trouble and everything. You'll read passages in the Bible and you'll go, oh, 
I, this, I don't need prophecy to know this. That's a, it's talking about right now. God already knew about this. God already knew what was going to be coming down. And there's a comfort. There's a joy. There's even a cheer in knowing he's got it. He holds it all, I think is what the song said. 2022, the word is more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It warns us about stuff that we really do need to be warned about. In keeping the word, there is great reward. You want a prosperous, sweet, rewarding new year? You want to do less dumb stuff in 2022? It starts with daily reading of the word. I'm going to ask uh, any elders, those who are going to pray with people to come down, because even though this wasn't necessarily uh, a, a sermon to hit on things that might be going on in your life, things are going on in your life. And some of you need prayer, would like someone to pray with. And so, yeah, if you guys will come on down, the worship team's going to come back up for a few minutes. Uh, so stand and worship with them. And if you if you need prayer, if you want prayer, please come because these brothers and sisters would love to pray with you. Please stand. <laughs>